the authority, passionate, magnetic, alpha, commanding, influencing, inspiring, persistent, positive, driven, successful. This is who we are as pros. This is Turning Pro Academy, your number one resource for creating the business, lifestyle, and freedom you want. Learn to build an epic life with the no BS, proven online business mastery. The real world advice and strategies used by the world's best so that you can live your dream. Welcome to the Turning Pro Academy where I give you the advice along with the world's best to turn you from average Joe into a pro that truly uses what works and reaps the rewards of a world-class business and lives a first-class lifestyle. Now, this episode is all about how you can get your website working to actually get your results, to really build your business, to make you money, to get you clients, and also how you need to be producing content and how you can be doing that to get you, yet again, results. This is all about making the biggest bang for your buck getting the return on the investment that is your time and that is your money. I'm bringing Dan Norris on that is from WP Curve. Now, this company that he's building is absolutely kicking ass and it's all about getting your website and making it the way it needs to be to deliver results because as I've said it before, I see so many all the time. Trainers, coaches, consultants having websites that are useless an absolute waste of space, money, and time, which is not building their list, it's not getting you clients, it's not making you money, and it's just sitting around and collecting internet dust. So what can we do about that and to build your results? That's what we're going to focus on. Now, if anything, this is where we are in the days of really, you have about four to six seconds on a website before someone's going to click off or decide to dig a little deeper. But remember, this is just a click is a moment away from your potential client never seeing your site again, losing complete interest, and just absolutely giving you the flick of the bird. Now, what we're gonna look at today is Dan's insights. He's bit the dust a couple of times with building businesses, but he's learned the valuable lessons. And these lessons he's gonna dish out because he's currently building a mammoth and he and I are opening up what you can be doing to get those exact same results. Avoid those mistakes and reap the rewards. Now, before I hit play on this great, great interview that I know you're gonna get a lot off because this guy, Dan, has nothing to do with the fitness industry. And that's great because that's what I wanna be doing, bringing great minds of the business and online marketing world so you can use it. We're stepping outside the realm of what everyone else is just regurgitating to make sure you are building the business and getting the lifestyle that you want. Now head on over to turningproacademy.com. I want you to get onto the show notes and links from every episode, including this one, to make sure that you get the freebies and get the resources that you need. Also, if you wanna get on over to iTunes, I would love for you to help me build the Turning Pro Academy podcast and get it into the earbuds of the people that are gonna make a difference. Let's spread the word of what really counts. 
Let's bring this industry up and get it out of the flunk that is so many snake oil salesmen just dishing out crap the whole time. Let's use what's worked. Let's make sure that we treat ourselves and our businesses the way that they need. So leave me a five-star review if you think I deserve it because I also want to hear your feedback. I want to know what you want to learn about. What can I give you? What guests do you want me to bring on? And let's make that happen because I'm having a ball of a time producing and publishing the Turning Pro Academy podcast and I want to make sure you're frothing on everything that I give you. So it's time for Dan and I to unleash some goodness. So strap yourself in and I'm going to talk to you soon. Dan, thank you very much for coming on to the Turning Pro Academy podcast. Before I hit record, we're having a bit of a chat and I think something that I really want to do for the health and fitness world is bring people such as yourself, experts in the world of business, online business, making stuff happen that aren't in the fitness world, that don't have their head stuck into that sort of box and how it's being regurgitated over and over again. So firstly, Dan, I'd want to say a big thanks. And also, if you can give your own spiel on who Dan Norris is and why he's so phenomenal. Well, <laughs> well thanks. And I'm, I'm definitely not in the health and fitness space. So you've come to the right place for that. I'm just someone who is passionate about business and generally passionate about sharing with other people what I'm up to and how they can kind of hopefully learn from some of the screw-ups that I've made <laughs> over the years. So I've been an entrepreneur for about eight or nine years and I ran an agency for seven of them, which wasn't particularly successful. And then I ran a startup for one year, which was completely unsuccessful. <laughs> and, now I, and now I have a business called WP Curve, which is uh, WordPress support. And that's gone really well. So I've learned a lot from that. And throughout all of these kind of businesses, I've been documenting what I do on our blog and I've put out books and think five or 600 blog posts and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. So you're a um, content machine. (laughs) I think that's an important point for the listener to take away. Obviously, like content is a massive focus for yourself and it wouldn't be a focus if it wasn't giving you a return on the investment. Well, I think you'll never know if it gives you a return on the investment because you can't really measure it. Yes. And the other thing is it's not a very fast return on your investment. (laughs) Mm, mm, Playing the long game. Yeah. So, but I've always done it because I've just kind of believed that it was a sensible thing to do and I enjoyed it. And I thought I was relatively good at it compared to a lot of things I'm not good at. So like sales and and other kind of stuff that you're supposed to do as a business person. (laughs) I think that's a good point. Obviously focusing on your strengths and really like the content marketing, that kind of world is, it's a part of the sales process. It's part of the marketing process. And I guess the better marketer you are, the less sleazy salesman you have to be at the end of the day. Well, it's a, yeah, it's sort of like a, it's more of a, I'll be generous with my information and I'll, you know, give away my book and my content and my podcast and everything else. And a lot of the resources and processes and and things we use in our business, we give away and it just ends up, you sort of, you do it for long enough and you just realize that eventually you're going to, it's going to be end well for you. You know, like it's, it's not like if I put out our hiring process for hiring developers overseas, then I'm immediately going to get 10 people sign up from that post. But it's more like if you put that out, then eventually you'll become known as an expert in that area. You'll get uh, rankings in Google and you'll get people sharing your content and visits and your brand will be out there and people will have heard of you and they'll trust you. And then eventually when they have a problem, if you can solve it, then you'll be the person they, they come to. Because you're top of mind now. I think that's fantastic. Now, before we go down that route, there's something I kind of really want to highlight is obviously the the company you're running, WP Curve. Firstly, and this is just more of a curiosity standpoint, what's the percentage of 
WordPress being run on the internet now? I think it's about 22%. That's huge. Yeah, a lot of the, because the, the percentage, when you look at it in that way, it contains the whole history of the internet. And the, most of the history of the internet is websites that don't even have a CMS. Mm-hmm. So I think if you actually look at... Um, it would be even bigger. Yeah, I think it's about 70% of the CMS market the last time I checked. That's yeah, it's, it's gigantic. Yeah. What? Okay, so I think this is a good point for someone to kind of look upon what you've done. You said you did, you ran an agency for a while. It was mediocre. Did a startup, was a flunk. Came along with WP Curve, hit the ball out of the park. Why do you think that was? Well, it was, it was a, a lot of different reasons. And that's the, in my book, The Seven Day Startup, that's sort of the story that I use to explain all of the things that I thought I did differently. But it's, it was just a lot of combination of different things. Like, for example, with the content, with my previous startup, I was still doing lots of content and the content was going pretty well, but it just wasn't leading to business because there was something wrong with the business. So I had a bit of a, like I had a nice starting point. I could just take that content and immediately put it on the WP Curve site. Um, I had an audience and an email list, not a huge one, but it's something I wasn't completely starting from scratch. And so I had that momentum. I had a lot of people who trusted me and knew who I was. They just didn't really want to buy what I was selling because it wasn't for them or it didn't solve a big enough problem for them as well. Can I ask what it was? Yeah, it was an analytics dashboard. Okay, fantastic. And yeah, and it sort of seemed like as soon as I launched something where it was solving a big problem for them, I was able to get enough people to sign up to kind of start that momentum ball rolling. So I had 10 signups and then I had in that week and then the next week I had another 10 and every other week since I've had another 10 and before you know it, there's 850 customers. Yeah, that's fantastic. So obviously the way that you're running WP Curve at the moment, you've got a lot of hands on deck. Is that true? Yeah, we're up, we're up to 38 people now. All right. So the team is growing how are you finding, it's a poor word, but how are you finding managing those people? Well, I think managing any people is difficult. And so so we have somewhat of a hierarchy in place in that we have, I've got Alex as a co-founder in the US and he's got Julie who helps him out with the team. I've got Michelle in my time zone that helps me out. And we've got a lot of software that we use. Like we, we've got, I think we use 35 different pieces of software. Wow. And, we're, and we've also been able to hire I think we've been lucky with hiring. Like the first guy I employed is still our best developer. He's still our lead oh, developer. Yeah. And, and, not, and he worked for me way back when I had the, the agency like five years ago. And we got a couple of guys like that and they just referred their friends. And like a lot of our staff now, a lot of our teams in the Philippines, but they're also in a lot of other places there. We've got people in seven different countries now. Wow, that's um, great. But a lot of them refer, just refer their friends. Okay. And so you sort of end up getting this like little sort of family sort of culture building. Yeah. And that, I don't know if there's necessarily anything we did to create that. I think it was probably a bit of luck. But yeah, I mean, managing them is quite hard and it's going to get a lot harder. Like where I think we've hired about six people this month, I think. And Yeah, so growth yeah. is really starting to pick up for you now as well. Well, it's been very consistent. Good. It's been 10%, 15% per month since we launched. Wow, that's fantastic. So are you just kind of stepping back because I'm kind of putting my myself in the shoes of the listener and say a lot of entrepreneurs or even say, like use the word solopreneurs, they're kind of bringing on a team and having to do that sort of managing work is daunting to them. That It's a field where they just have not been before. How did you go when you kind of really had to be like, right, okay, I have to start bringing on a team and, and dealing with these people? That was just always part of it. That was never never something that I'd ever crossed my mind as being an option because I had Andrew with me before I even started the business. I was starting a service company where I knew every time I had 30 clients sign up, I was going to have to employ another person. Yep. So I 
that's just part of it. I mean, you, it's kind of hard to run a business where you don't employ people, but if you do want to run that sort of a business and you want it to be a like a proper startup that's going to, yeah, you know, be a turn into a multi-million dollar company, which is what I intended from the start. I wasn't just going to start something to employ myself. Yeah. But if you want to do that, then you wouldn't do services if you didn't want to employ a lot of people yeah. for one. Yeah, exactly. But then you do increase your risk a lot. Like you can do software, but that makes it a lot more risky. And I tried that the year before and just failed miserably. And I had one employee, but I only had 10 customers. So yes. I was prepared to hire more employees to get more customers. You just brought up a really good point before that, that I thought about. It was obviously like, do you think a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call them, do you think they initially set their business up not with the proper end goal in mind? So obviously you've come along and said, I want to be able to have this business worth X amount. So therefore the setup, the systems, the structure is going to have to be along these certain lines. Do you think a lot of people just miss that step when they actually first start off? Definitely. Yeah. And that's what the idea in my book is like, if you are a solo entrepreneur or a first time entrepreneur and you want to create a business, then to me, what you should be doing is trying to create a startup or trying to create what is as close as possible to a startup. And that is fundamentally different to a business in that it's generally higher risk, but it's much higher reward. Yes. And there's some things that just don't qualify for a startup. So it has to be something that can turn into a high growth, scalable company. If it's not that, then it's not a startup and you rule those ideas out. That kind of assumes that you want the same things I want, which maybe that's not the case. Like maybe you just want to create a business that gives you a good lifestyle. But I didn't want that because I already had it and I wasn't satisfied. I didn't go into entrepreneurship in order to get a good lifestyle because I mean, I was pretty happy with my lifestyle when I had a job. It wasn't too bad. It's kind of similar to what it is now. <laughs> that's, so, now that is a really good point that you brought up. So like, how do you think you should be able to design your startup and your business for growth? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's the detail of what's in the book. And some of that comes down to ideas. Like, for example, are you choosing an idea that is in a market that's big enough yep. for it to grow? Like, if there's no way your business can be a $10 million business, then it's not a startup in my view. Yeah. Like if you're starting a business where the maximum revenue you can make is like a million dollars a year, then it's probably not a startup. Yeah. And you're probably niching down, which is what a lot of people say to do. But I don't think that's what startups do. I think they go after a big market and they try and create something that people can relate to with a slight point of difference, which is what we did here. Like with, you think of something like Uber, they're doing something that people are paying for already, but they're doing it with a slight twist. So they're giving you a taxi, but they're giving it to you cheaper and they're giving you a much cleaner taxi and one that's definitely going to turn up and take you where you want to go no matter who you are. Yeah. So it's re- it's immediately relatable because it's like, okay, should I get a taxi or should I get an Uber? You know what a taxi is. You don't have to explain that. If you look at most of the successful startups, that's kind of the model they use. Like if you look at Airbnb, they're, they're giving you a hotel room, but they're doing it you're getting a bigger hotel room and you're probably paying less. And with WP Curve, we're giving you a web developer, which you know what that is. You've dealt with agencies before or you've gotten on Odesk, but we're doing it where you know exactly how much it's going to cost each month so you don't get any surprise invoices and we're always responding. So we do jobs on the same day and we're available 24-7 around the world. So do you think maybe the a clean kind of simplistic way for the listener to kind of maybe hone in and take a couple of action points from this is obviously make sure the market you're going for initially is big enough. So a lot of the people here, they're weight loss, fitness. Like it's, okay, we're talking, it's a big market right now. And obviously you brought up a really good point. People say niche down till it hurts. And I've had other guests say those exact words where 
It's, I enjoy what you're saying here because it's saying find the key pain points and then have that kind of like uniqueness about how you're going to go about it. Yeah, I think if you can have just a slight twist on something that people already understand. Yes. And that's really how you do it rather than niching the market down, which really is just creating. I mean, what happens when you niche the market down is a lot of marketing doesn't work. Like if you think of like our content marketing, which is what I enjoy doing. I, with my last analytics dashboard, I ended up turning it into a thing just for web design agencies so they could send reports to their clients. But none of my marketing worked because none of the people who read my blog were web design agencies, or some of them were, but only a small percentage of them. Yeah. And none of them really knew web design agencies and would refer what I'm doing onto them. So like that kind of marketing is not effective when you're targeting a really small niche. Whereas at the moment, Anyone who reads, like, there's a very good chance that the person who reads our blog has a WordPress site or knows someone with a WordPress site. It's almost guaranteed they at least know yeah. someone with a WordPress site. And it's probably likely that if they do have a WordPress site, then they've experienced the pain that our service solves. And so all of a sudden, you go from like writing a blog post where 5% of the readers may be potential customers to, you know, 90% of the readers might be potential customers yeah. or, or referrers. Yeah. So I don't really understand how the niching thing works, but I'm pretty sure that startups don't do it. And I think it's I'm pretty great, sure yeah, I think it's, it's going to make it harder. It's a great point because obviously you're talking about, let's actually create something bigger. Like let's, let's create something that's really going to be worth some value with the business. And that doesn't mean niching down to having such a tiny like minutiae of a market because that's just not going to end up giving you that end outcome. Yeah, I think a lot of the time it's not the problem of the market. It's just the problem of the business, the, the business idea, like all the way it's executed. So it's like, well, you have to target certain demographics within the weight loss space because what you offer is just not that interesting to everybody. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a result of the market you're choosing. It's more just a result of how you've designed the business and, and your actual idea and probably the way you've executed it as well. So I don't know how well this translates to what you do. But no, I, know. I think it's fantastic, Dan. Yeah, I think it's really spot on, mate. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay, you kind of just brought up another point that I thought about before is obviously, especially with the service side of running a business is customer churn. Like, what are your thoughts on obviously having better ascension with the business model or how you set that up yourself, but also keeping the churn rate with your customers as low as possible? I wrote a blog post two weeks ago on this. It's four and a half thousand words. So <laughs> can you I put can... it in a nutshell, Dan? <laughs> I can send it to you. Yeah, I'll put, I'll, I'm going to link to it on the show notes for people. Yeah. So the thing about churn is that churn is very, very, very complicated. It depends a lot on the type of business. Now, like the reasons people, I'll give you this link to this post. It's kind of scary. But the reason people leave one business will be totally different to the reason they leave another. Like for example, with hosting, our we host with WP Engine. I won't leave WP Engine even if someone else comes along with a better offer. Like if someone comes in to half the price of WP Engine, I'm not leaving. If someone comes in with a server that's 0.2 of a second quicker, I'm not leaving. If someone says like this company has better support than WP Engine, I'm still not leaving because it's a pain in the ass for me to leave my host and I'm happy with them and it's a reasonable amount of money and I think they do a good job and I'm just not leaving. Unless they really screw something up, I'm not leaving. With services and things like communities, I'm imagining in your space, things like communities are pretty common as a business model. The churn in communities is as bad as you're going to get anywhere because it's just so easy to leave. And I think the there's a whole bunch of ways you can solve that. And that post I wrote goes into lots of them. Some of them are like, some of them are, for example, what John Dumas does with his community is he has 
$1,100 or something for lifetime access. So it's impossible for him to have a churn problem yes, because you exactly. can't leave. Yes. So, I mean, that creates other challenges and this, and you may not want to do that, but it solves the churn problem. Do you think, um, sorry, I'll just quickly intersect with that one, is do you like the model of, say, the recurring revenue where the membership or community is done on, say, a monthly payment or just a one-off buy straight up, have it in quotations forever? Well, I, well, there's a few things. One is I do love the idea of recurring revenue. And I think you need to build your business on consistent revenue and recurring revenue is the best way to do it. But recurring revenue doesn't always work. And with communities, if you don't have things in place where that are kind of encouraging people to stay, then if you're just doing month by month, then you're going to have a huge amount of churn. I'm in communities that don't have too much churn, but it's really carefully managed. Like one of the communities I'm in, it's almost impossible to get into it. They've got a huge process for signing up. You need to be referred by a couple of different people. You need to have certain revenue in your business. And by the time you get in, you're like, man, I'm never going to leave because I'll never get back into the damn thing. Yeah. So, so there's stuff like that you can do. But I think yeah, generally- so are you using, is that like a tactic that you like? It's kind of that red velvet rope scenario where once you actually have passed the gauntlet and gotten in, it's like, well, shit, you kind of wipe your brow and say, well, I'm not going now. Well, I don't like it. To be honest, I don't like communities as a business model at all. I think they're really difficult. Yeah. And I think they're just susceptible to churn and they're, they're difficult to differentiate. And they're, they're also hard to... The generally small markets, I think, maybe not in fitness is probably not that way. But I think like a lot of the communities I look at, like the entrepreneurship one, there's very, very, very few that actually work. And the ones that do usually are by these like kind of rock star leader guys who have really, really loyal followings. Yeah. And even so, I still think it's, I'd question whether it's a really good business model. Kind of like the way Shramco does it. Was that, would that be an example? Yeah, that's an example. So he's got a pretty active community, but I think, I don't know if I'm going to go start out at a business, it wouldn't be that one. I think he's, I mean, the thing is with James is he's got shitloads of different businesses and, yes. and some of them are really scalable ideas and some of them aren't. And yes. some of them just throw off a lot of cash. So that's what works for him. But yep. for me, I don't want to start a business that throws off a lot of cash. I, I actually want to create something that's really scalable and community doesn't really fit in that for me. Yep, absolutely. Um, that's kind of that $10 million idea that you brought up before. Yeah, but in terms of like what I like, I think it's not so much about what I like. It's more about like what works for that particular community. Like I can see what John Dumas does with his is very effective, but what Dan Andrews does with the DC yep. is also extremely effective. Yep. And I was just reading that about five minutes ago. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And James with his is obviously going really well too. So I think you, and I've spoken to other guys who've got communities and the churn is a really common thing, especially like the first month churn. Yeah. So the other thing with churn is like, how do you measure it? Which is part of what I went to in that post as well is it's yes. actually really complicated to measure it in a way that enables you to take action on it. So like if your first month churn is really high, then maybe just you've got a really good sales page and you're just really good at convincing people to join. But your content's and then after crap. Join, <laughs> yeah, after they join, you've just got the same churn as everyone else. But it looks higher because more people have joined who wouldn't have joined elsewhere. Right. Okay. So you have to be careful what you're measuring. And I think you need to, I don't think there's one rule, especially with communities. I think there's, I don't think there's one rule where you you can, I mean, I I say the one rule that almost is universally accepted is having an annual plan and really pushing that annual plan. And that's across software as a service, communities, services, everything. It's if you can get people onto the annual plan, then that pretty much solves your churn problem. I like that. All right. Now, I think a big question that I wanted to ask you, and I think so many other entrepreneurs struggle with is how do you focus on the right thing at the right time? You just focus on nothing except for what your customers are doing. Right. Expand. Give me an example, if you could, please, Dan. 
All right. Well, you have two options. You get to work. You've got 10 customers. You could either look at the emails you're getting from them and look and analyze how they're using your service and make some changes based on that. Or you could read Neil Patel's latest blog post and implement the most recent way to optimize your landing page to increase your opt-ins by 2%. Yeah. And the first scenario is a much better decision than the second. Yes. Yes. Do you think too many people are kind of, I think I get a really big feeling from the feedback that I hear from so many people is they're constantly like running around spinning plates the whole time. They're just, they're trying to keep each plate up and they're spinning it. And I think a lot of the time is because a lot of those plates are those, well, am I going to make a 2% increase in somewhere else where really I need to be focusing more on the bigger bang for your buck? That's right. Yeah. I think they're solving problems they don't have. Yeah. And I think the best thing you can do is get to the point where you do have customers because if you don't have customers, then your only problem is you only have one problem and and that is that you don't have customers. Yeah. But once you do have customers, then you'll start to get real problems that you can solve rather than pretend ones that you think are going to happen sometime in the future. Yeah. I think it just brings me back to the book, The One Thing, and obviously just making sure that you focus on what's really going to give you the biggest bang for your buck with the time. And I think a lot of people are just not procrastinating, more just lying to themselves and just fart-assing around and doing things that don't really count. Yeah. I think that like that one metric that matters, OMTM is a concept I like because you can have, like for, for all of the different businesses I have, there's normally one thing that I look at yes. to focus on. So with HelloFi, for example, HelloFi.com, which is like a messaging and live chat software for your website. Yep. So it does a contact form and live chat on your website. For that, because we're just starting and because we want to get people activating and because when people activate, they put our logo on their website, that becomes our marketing. Yes. So all I look at for that is every week, how many activations did I have as a percentage compared to the previous week? And I want that number to go up by 7% every week. I want it to grow 7% activations every week. And if I do that by the end of the year, we'll have a business. I'm confident. That's, yeah, that's um, a great way to look at it. Going back to like the services side of the business, what do you think like a one metric, a lot of people, general rule of thumb should be looking at? Yeah, well, what I wanted for WP Curve was 10% monthly recurring revenue growth. And that was the same now with 800 customers as it was when we had eight customers. And it was sort of, it appeared a lot easier when you have eight customers because that's only like one customer a month. Yeah. And now with 800 customers, that's 80 customers a month. But it's still the same goal and it's very, very simple. And we check it, you know, we check it every day. And if it goes really bad, then we know we've done something wrong. Or if it's, you know, if there's too much churn, we'll find out because we won't be hitting those targets. I think you've really wrapped this up nicely, Dan. I'm actually quite impressed, mate. You've nailed the questions that I had set out for you. And for someone that was like, oh, I'm I'm not really in the health and fitness world, you've put it into a very nice way that I think people are going to be able to take away and focus on what really needs because I don't care what industry you're in, you have to focus on what's actually going to get your business the biggest results. And I think with what you're doing, it just showcases it. Oh, that's good. I mean, my bottom line is... I think if you're starting a business, then you're generally taking an enormous amount of risk compared to whoever is not starting a business. And that's, people might not want to hear that, but I think that's just true. Yeah. Uh, And if you're doing that, I think it's not really worth doing for like lifestyle in inverted commas. And I don't think it's really worth doing for like a wage that's slightly better than you would have when you had a job. Like I think you really need to aim for like 5X of what you had when you're in a job at least because the amount of risk you're taking, yes, it's kind of like you actually do deserve to be rewarded for that. So I think it's I think you need to try and start something that can potentially be bigger. And obviously, maybe that increases your chance of failing a little bit. But I mean, I'm sure most people in your audience could go and get a job if it goes to shit really badly. Um, yeah, that's, so that's a really I'm good point. I, when like, what is the worst case scenario if you wanted to 10x your goal? 
And I think a lot of people, when you sit down and realistically think about it, it's not so bad. Yeah, you might have a couple months of kicking the bucket for a little while, but get back on the horse and you'll be all right. But the upside is absolutely huge when you think about that. And I really like that because that's been something that's been on my mind is really think about how can I really 10x what I want? Like, how can I think heaps bigger? And it was funny because I was listening to a couple of other podcasts and like just these people were just, they're doing different things. They're talking about mining asteroids, increasing the human life. Yeah, like like, I was listening to that (laughs) That yesterday while I was... um, I, was, I went out for a ride on the bike and I was just like, oh man, I've got to step the game up. Like, this is good. Well, that's the biggest thing I would say to people is branch out of, I mean, obviously they should listen to your podcast, of course, but um, they're going <laughs> to listen to others. Given. But I think like the best thing I did was I started listening to a podcast called This Week in Startups. Yes. And there's another one. There's, and Tim Ferriss, I think, is the one you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, Tim it is. Fer- yeah, that's another good one. There's another one called Startup, which is just phenomenal. It's a really well-produced um, actually, I'm, did Tim Ferriss actually interview him? Alex Bloomberg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. No, so oh, yeah, no, that's right. I was listening to that this morning when I was going for a walk. That first episode of that is just, uh, I mean, the whole, whole series is amazing and it just really, like, I don't want to give away what happens, but it really like opens your mind up, especially because in Australia, we don't get exposed to a lot of stuff like this. And yeah. you kind of think, oh, I'll go start a business and, you know, maybe open a local office. Like that was what I did with my first company, but. You just you, once you see what's going on around the world within the startup ecosystem, you're like, Jesus Christ! Like I could really do something big. Yes, exactly. No, I love the wavelength that you're on here, Dan. I'm really, I'm digging it. I'm with it. No, really good. All right. Now, I think the last question, obviously, definitely surrounding what you're doing with WP Curve, is look, there are, and I know because I hear it and I see it, there are so many trainers and coaches, and with their websites. They're pretty much not even good looking brochures, but they're not doing anything for their business. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. they're not getting traffic, they're not converting, and it's just pretty much wasting their time and money. What are your couple of key points that someone has to do with their site? Well, you have to have good content and you I think you have to have good design. Yeah. They're the two things. Yeah. And so you can have good design by choosing a good theme and not trying to pretend to be a designer by hacking it and trying to make it sexy yourself because you'll yeah, screw it up. Great point. Or you can pay a shitload of money for someone really good to do the design, which is what we're doing at the moment. But don't do that unless you've got a lot of money to start with because yeah. you're probably wasting it. The other thing is just good content. And it's not something I can explain in a couple of sentences, yeah, but yeah. just creating problems. Uh, sorry, solving problems. <laughs> solving, <I'm> creating problems. <laughs> them. <laughs> solving problems for people putting out content that people can relate to and engage with. And that's what a good website is, something that has good content and good design. Yeah, and I'm a very big believer of just constantly producing remarkable content and making that specific to, as you said, not create, but to solve problems. But I also really like the point as well, like I do have the aesthetic value where I actually do want to look at a site that is pleasing to look at and it just doesn't look crap and it's not like, not your old school kind of, marketing black and red, all that kind of stuff. It's but it looks yeah. good. It works well and obviously works responsibly with whatever device or way you're looking at it as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think it's sort of like a hard thing that you like people probably won't ever tell you, but they'll just dismiss a site that doesn't have good design. They won't even know consciously that they've done it. Yeah, good point. It's more of a subconscious decision where if it is a bit like bit shoddy looking, they're kind of like, I don't really trust what's going on here. And I think obviously yeah. being in the online world, that's a big problem. Yeah, definitely. Trust is a big part of it as well. If you can have any kind of proof on your site, like if you've got a sales page 
and you don't have any proof on it, like testimonials yeah. or yeah. like places you've been featured or just anything, anything that suggests that you're a real company, yep. then you're just not going to get people converting. Yeah, great point. Excellent. All right, Dan, I really appreciate it, mate. I don't want to steal any more of your time. You've dished out plenty of good content right here for us. Now, how can someone learn more about you and what you're doing with WP Curve? And also, can you mention the book, The 7 Day Startup as well, mate? Yeah, that's just on Amazon. So you can just put that into Amazon. You'll find it, wpcurve.com. And then hellofi.com is the contact form and live chat plugin that I mentioned. Excellent. And yeah, just Facebook and Twitter. Email dan at wpcurve.com. Beautiful. I'm going to link all to that onto the show notes. Dan, thank you very much, mate, for unveiling so many truths today. People are going to be absolutely kicking themselves in the ass for thinking too small, and I really like that. So, mate, we're going to be talking very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. If you want to become the go-to, the leader, and the authority in your business, and you want a constant flow of new clients and sales all day, every day, go right now to turningproacademy.com. No more hype, BS, or wasted time. This is all real-world advice and strategies that the world's best use to 10x their businesses, generate more money, and get back their time. We'll see you next time on Turning Pro Academy.